everyone. Thanks again for joining me here on Take a Knee, starting a new season. And boy, it's been a a real challenge for me of the last couple of months. And uh, we'll say I took a break because I needed some surgery on my back and God was very faithful and providing me a surgeon who knew exactly what to do. And so I'm back in the saddle again, as they say, and very excited about this new season as we begin the new year. Today, I want to talk to you about how we can see. I want to talk about eyesight. And I want to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. But, you know, when you think of your sight, can you imagine? Maybe you are blind, but if you're not, sometimes you just take a moment to think about what it would be like to be physically blind. Some people are born blind. Some people are blinded by accident. And some people, blindness comes upon them through disease like diabetes, glaucoma. It's a terrible situation because our eyesight is one of the most powerful gifts that we have been given. Our ability to see taps right into our ability to enjoy this world. And so blindness is not a very nice condition, that's for certain. It robs us of being able to enjoy this world, but it does not rob us of our imagination, our inner sight. I want to talk a little bit more about that today. But imagine for a moment a different kind of blindness. Jesus said that people can see and yet not really see. Wow, that's interesting. We, we should look at that today. It would seem like sort of a blindness that is even worse. In other words, that you might even be able to physically see, but yet you can't really see what's going on really behind the scene. This is even worse yet when you think of blindness because you can't see everything that is out there. Let me, let me back up a little bit. Because see, I believe in the beginning that Adam and Eve could see everything. I believe that they could see in the spirit. It would make sense. I can't prove it. But then again, I could put some scriptures together. The sake of time, I'll just share, you what I, share with you what I believe. I believe that Adam and Eve could see God. I think they could see angels. I think they could see the full spectrum that exists. In other words, that the human eye had the ability. Before sin, it was not restricted. But as a result of sin, they lost their ability to see dimensions that we know exist, but we cannot see them. We have to trust when we talk about angels. We have to trust that there is this spiritual dimension that is in war that is waging above us in this world. Things that only those who were given a supernatural ability to see, like Daniel or David, when he saw the army of God coming and the balsam trees were being stirred and Peter, Andrew, and John, the disciples that were with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw Elijah and Moses and God's voice. And so, you know, there are times when Scripture tells us that our eyes are opened, but that's not our regular condition. And when you think about these dimensions— I'm not a scientist, but, you know, I love looking at this. I have a very good friend who did an excellent teaching on the human eye, and she'd spent just years as a scientist studying the human eye. In fact, it was in the study of the human eye that she came to Christ. Isn't that cool? 
because she was an atheist before, but as she began to see the incredible miracle that the human eye is, she couldn't deny it. It's an incredible organ that is linked to the brain. And as a result, we know and we suspect that it should be able to see more than what we are currently seeing. I can't explain all that except of what its natural design, the spectrums that we should be seeing, but we don't. What happened? We also know that God really gave animals, and especially birds of prey, the ability to see many more miles than the human can see, with exceptional detail, in fact. But we're not even sure how much they can really see. Maybe there's much more that animals are seeing. How about dogs? You know, sometimes dogs react to things, and it could be what they're hearing, but sometimes you can tell that they don't want to go into a room or they start barking at something. And I'm not saying, you know, and all the weirdness and the paranormal and all that, but, you know, it makes you wonder, can animals see things that we can't? There are dimensions that we know exist, but just cannot physically see them. We have lost our ability to see all that exists in the corporal world. Jesus was referring to this when he was speaking to the Pharisees to say that they were blind to the truth. In other words, he was saying they have a sort of blindness, and that's a different blindness altogether. Because not only can we not see in the spirit with our physical eye, but there are times we can't even see with our spiritual eye. And that's a different thing altogether, that we're given visions and dreams or even Perhaps he's not talking so much about eyesight as he is understanding what we hear. That's a different kind of seeing in the Spirit. In Scripture, we see three things that can blind us. Jesus speaks of these things. Paul speaks of these things. But that can blind us to the truth. That can blind us beyond physical blindness. So in other words, you're seeing. So Jesus is saying, you're seeing, but you're not really seeing. And he was actually somewhat befuddled. I'm not saying he really was, but it appears to be this, like, how can you not see this? He, he's talking to the disciples, saying, how can you guys not see this? But in Scripture, we see three things that often blind us to the truth. Pride, fear, and anger. Okay? And there are other things, but these are the things that I see often that blind us to the truth. And they blind us to being able to see what really exists. Okay? Pride, fear, and anger. And, and we'll take a look at each one of those, not in great detail for the sake of time, but you can give this some think, give it some thought, go to the scripture and dig for yourself, and you'll see what I'm saying is true. So when it concerns our lives, we know that in the physical realm, being blind limits our movement. We can't move because we don't know what's in front of us. And so blindness really limits our ability to function. Well, imagine on the greater scale of spiritual blindness, it limits our ability to move. So because we know when a person is blind, their other senses can be heightened. They can smell more acutely. They can touch. Senses of hearing are heightened. And they put those other senses together and they can actually receive an incredible amount of details from that. And of course, that's good. And probably... I would assume it's by design that the brain is able to pick up and adjust. But when we think of a spiritual journey, spiritual eyesight cannot really be made up for in any other sense because it is the function that spiritual eyesight really affects everything. 
And what is it? It's being able to see as God sees. That's the goal. So what are we blind to? I think we're blinded often to our own motives. I often say from the pulpit that the greatest deception is not demonic deception, but it's self-deception. In other words, through pride and fear and anger, we deceive ourselves. And we are blinded to our own motives. We don't take the time to think why we're doing what we're doing and why we're reacting the way we are. We're just stumbling, as the book of Proverbs would say, just stumbling through life. And if we are blinded, we're also talking about what we understand. (laughs) Because, see, if you don't see all the detail, then you really can't make a good call. And we see this in the world every single day. We see that people, for example, are very easily deceived by someone who wears maybe a white coat or has some letters stuck in front of their name to convince us that something is absolutely true when our senses tell us otherwise. How can this be? In other words, how can people be so easily deceived? Well, again, authority and a lot of times what we wish for pushes through what we see as being reality. Man, I've done that. You've done that. I bought a car one time that everything in my visual senses said this is not a good buy. I mean, there were certain things about the car that I could look at, but I wanted the car so badly. I pushed beyond what I saw and trusted and went with what I was hoping for. Wow. Well, call it pride, call it fear, call it whatever. To me, I think it was pride because I really, really wanted it. And so in the end, I suffered with a vehicle that was a lemon for several years. So how is it that people can be so easily deceived when everything points in the direction that what they're saying, whoever that expert is, is not true? Well, again, pride blinds us. And we often see what we want to see, just as in my case. So isn't that interesting? That... There is this (laughs) blindness that comes over us because of our pride. This is a fact, and this is what we call self-deception. And I want to use an example that might cause you to get, you know, a little angry at me or frustrated, but let's just, just give me a chance. You're listening. And so let me get a little off the beaten path here just for a moment, just for the sake of argument. Let's look at global climate change, as they call it, as an example. We were told that the world is changing at first, and we were told back in the 70s that we were coming into a modern ice age. You know what? I was a teenager when they were saying this, and I remember it. I remember it well. I went to a movie where they described it and said, we're all going to be frozen. And I remember as a teenager, you know, the reason why it didn't affect me was because I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, I grew up in the north. I grew up with a lot of ice and snow and tunneled. I thought, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Bring it on. It didn't affect me. I didn't begin freaking out. I didn't do anything. And I don't know how many people really did. It was a mass controlling. I remember we had to turn our thermostats down to 68 because I don't know what was going on, but we had an energy crisis, quote unquote. And here come the modern ice age. Well, it didn't happen because they told us within 10, 15, maybe 20 years, it was going to happen. In fact, I think it was more like five to 10 years. Well, it didn't happen. And then we were told in the 80s and into the 90s that it was going to be a global warming. Oh, we were wrong. It's not going to get cold. It's going to get hot. 
and that we were all going to be underwater, or at least all the coasts, and it was going to be a real bummer. And I remember thinking to myself, well, you know what? That's not a bad thing. Don't things grow better in warmth, and maybe we'll have some new beaches? No one really quite understood it. There were these appeals saying that, well, polar bears... They started showing us pictures of polar bears and baby polar bears, starting to sing songs about these polar bears that were dying in mass. Well, that didn't seem to happen either. In fact, right now, the glaciers are growing and there's more ice than there's ever been. So in the end, no one seems to be really able to explain what's going on. And so they changed it to this word, climate change, because then you could just gather it all up, whether it gets hot or whether it gets cold, doesn't really matter. It kind of leaves it open so that whatever happens, they're going to be able to fit it into the paradigm of absolute global chaos. That Somehow this world is going to fail. It's either going to melt or it's going to freeze. We don't really know which one, but it's going to be one of them. This seems to be gobbled up, especially by young people today, and causing really just paranoia and phobias that are controlling people's lives. Well, that sets up to me. And what some people say is a mind control situation, because once you've got people in fear, well, then they're easily controlled. So you go from pride and then to fear. And this fear really shuts people down. And then they become sheep, easily led into whatever paradigm the controllers are trying to do. Those who are trying to use this real deception to kind of control people. And so, again, human beings are so easily led into almost a slave-like situation. And we were warned about this by various authors over the years. But what has happened is it has almost become almost like a religious cause to stop this climate change. Except what we have found is that climate change really happens four times a year, doesn't it? Do you want global warming? Well, we call it summer. So just hang around. It's coming. Do you want global cooling? Is it getting too hot? Well, hang around the fall and then... It's going to cool down. You want it super cold? Well, wait for that because we just got this big time, as I speak, this winter chill that went all all over the country and everybody freaks out. It's like, oh my gosh, this has never happened before, except it has. I remember growing up and there being the winter of all winters several times. I lived in the South and was shoveling two feet of snow when I lived in Kentucky. I made a lot of money digging people out of their driveways. I mean, that was when right in the middle of of the global warming. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I didn't care one way or the other. I just enjoyed making, you know, the money I was making, shoveling out all these Southerners who didn't know what to do with the snow. See, there are 1,000 climatologists who have signed a document saying that global climate change as being the push the way it is, is a hoax. A thousand of them, at least. And these are people that are leaders in their field. And they're putting their careers on the line to stand up against something they know is not true. And so you have to ask yourself the question, why, what would they have to gain? In fact, I know I've challenged doctors that I know in my life, professionals that I know in my life, when it comes to many different things. I've challenged them, the narrative. And often it is pushed back on me, well, no, that's just propaganda. That it's just propaganda that these thousand climatologists are saying what they're saying. And yet... I think you look at that and say, well, what do they have to gain? Nobody's giving them money. It is all the others that are getting all the money. They're losing money and potentially losing their jobs. That doesn't sound like a propaganda situation to me, unless 
a thousand climatologists are psychotic people or people that just are angry that they didn't get the grant and someone else did. I mean, that could be the case, I guess. But no, as I've read some of their stuff and looked at what they have written, these are good people. Some of them, even Christians that are saying, man, this is, this is bad news. They really have everything to lose. What they see is manipulation. They see that there is a chaotic world that is being produced to fit into a paradigm so that money can be thrown at things like carbon credits. See, it's been said that the climate change hoax, quote unquote, is a Trojan horse to bring forth a global one world government. In other words, we're not just talking about freaking out one nation. We're talking about freaking out the whole world. And essentially, a communist world, by using these carbon credits, or whatever they're going to be called in the future, to redistribute wealth around the world. And in the end, to not really anyone's gain, maybe a few people will be gaining from it. And you can bet they are. And whatever you believe about communism, you got to know that it just doesn't work. Millions and millions of people have been put to death by wanting to just be free make their own choice about where they can live, what they can eat, how many children they can have, and how they worship. The funny thing is, one of the greatest communist nations on the planet, China, adopted capitalistic theories many years ago in order to achieve the world dominance that they have now. Did you know that? That that's how they've built their militaristic control, is by using capitalism, because they know it works. I'm not here to push one ism over another, but it is the truth. They absolutely did not get there through communism. They borrowed or stole Western capitalistic financial theory in order to get to the point where they are. It is a fact. So why do people believe otherwise? It is because they have been conditioned to ignore the truth, conditioned to be blind and to believe a lie. Jesus would call this spiritual blindness. What makes, it, what makes us and it very difficult is that blindness, going back to what we know are the causes of pride, fear, and anger, makes it incredibly difficult to pin it down. Jesus is calling it out because of their morality, because they do not want to believe the moral truth. They lost the moral truth in the heart of the law, and so they did everything they could to bypass the center. And Jesus called them out and said, this has destroyed you. Because you think you're worshiping your father, Abraham, when really you're worshiping the devil. Now, that has got to be the biggest call out you're ever going to find in Scripture. It's amazing to me to see how quickly people believe things that are unsubstantiated or even discredited by experts. If we were told by an expert not to ride our bike down a certain road and we didn't listen, we would be considered a fool. I mean, what if we were listening to just a person who had a bicycle helmet on and yet we couldn't confirm whether they actually rode down that road. And why would we be so inclined to believe that that person, because they just said they rode down that? In the end, we would probably be more inclined to believe someone who rode down that road every single day and said, yeah, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that road. You should go. Because they have testimony. They have reality. But see, we tend to ignore things that are painfully, obviously, clearly true. When we know the answer, 
Jesus, again, seemed to be befuddled, even though we know he really wasn't by the Pharisees and their insistence that they were righteous. But Jesus said, you don't even know who really your God is. He said, I'm here to tell you that you don't know God, that you don't know the Father. He says, I know the Father, but you don't know him. And it's painfully clear that you don't. See, we see these things today because, my friend, whether you are seeing or are blind, it all comes down to control. Keep the sheep blind, and you can get them to do anything you want them to do. Until we wake up and see that we really should say what it comes to what's going on, what we see at the core, whether it be our own motives or someone else's motives through greed, and look at our own life direction and what is driving us. See, it's at that point that we will now begin to see and that we begin to get a vision with eyes wide open and begin to see the truth. Jesus said that it's truth that sets us free. And by understanding our association, that we would also be seeing as we should be seeing. But get ready, because when you start seeing the way you want to see, you just might be surprised by what really is out there and how many lies we have truly believed. And I often say that it requires an incredible amount of humility for someone to admit that what they have taught or believed all their life is wrong. Yes, it's very hard, but that is exactly what Jesus is asking us to do about the deeper things in our life. Thankfully, he does not expose us all of these lies at one time. He does it a little bit at a time so that we're not overwhelmed. We're not shocked. You know, I, I think of that movie. Uh, I didn't have it in my notes, but I think it was called The Miracle Worker. And it was a story of Helen Keller. And you know that Helen Keller was not born blind and deaf and dumb. It came on her as a result of, I don't know, some childhood disease. And I mean, can you imagine that? Not being able to see, not being able to hear, and not being able to talk. Wow. Talk about all your senses being shut down. But you probably know this story. I think her name was Anne, came into her life and taught her, helped her was patiently helping her break through that wall of being cut off from a world that she could not. The only thing she had, well, I guess she had some other senses. She could smell and she could touch. And just with those two senses, and she could feel verbal, you know, she could touch and she could learn a language with the hand signals in her hand. She was able to push through that darkness and find a connection to the world that really exists. See, folks, we may have been born blind in the spirit, and there may be things in our lives that we don't understand and we can't see, and, and yet we're blinded and desensitized to all that is going on in the world. But we don't have to live that way. We can let the Holy Spirit come and teach us the language of the spirit to help us use our other senses and to begin to slowly but surely climb out of the darkness and into the light and be able to begin seeing using the five senses of the spirit, you know, to taste and see that the Lord is good to be able to know. In fact, Helen Keller did have, she had that sense of taste and she, she could do that. And so all of these senses that we do have in the spirit, even though we can't see it, we can sense it. And it's when we open those doors up and we learn and we begin to know 
that the Lord is good and that following the Lord and listening to his word and being more and more discerning when something doesn't feel right, that we would not let our fears control us. We would not let our pride control us and we wouldn't let anger overwhelm us because those things will blind us. And so to take a moment, let's pray. As I finish today, I ask God to really help us to really see in the way that he sees. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that there are things that are going on in the world. I could many, mention many other things, but Lord, just by an example, Lord, the enemy wants to use mass confusion and mass blindness, Lord, to control us. But Lord, we have the truth. We have the life. We live in the light. Lord, I pray that this light would begin to shine brightly more and more and more, not only in our hearts and minds, but for our loved ones and people that we know and connect with, that, Lord, in our world, our nation, God, that you begin shining the light, Lord, on those corners of darkness and those who are trying to manipulate and control. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that, God, you would shine your light and we would see as you see. And as a result, Lord, we'd have peace. We'd have joy. Lord, we'd be able to take cover and to do what we need to do to live in this world for you, for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. God bless you, folks. We'll see you next week.